Amen. You can grab a seat. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Who is the greatest of all times? Who's the GOAT? Who is the GOAT? Well, when it comes to the NFL, it kind of pains me to say it. It's probably Tom Brady. I hope Brady loses today, but actually I hate the Eagles more. But Brady does have six rings more than anybody in the history of the NFL. He's got 14 Pro Bowl appearances, four MVPs in the Super Bowl. He may deflate the footballs, but he probably is the GOAT. I think basketball is a little more debatable. Some people say the GOAT is MJ, Michael Jordan, pretty tall standard. He, he, he has six rings. He's six for six in the NBA Finals. How about that? And he actually was the Finals MVP six out of six times. He's number four on the all-time scoring list. Pretty hard to beat. Some people say LeBron, though. LeBron has been in eight finals, but he lost a bunch of them. I think he's won three. LeBron just passed MJ on the all-time leading scores list. He's number three. Some people could say LeBron. I'm old school, though. I think it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem, six world championships, the number one scorer of all times. He scored more than 38 thousand points that is crazy and when you put all of his points and all of his titles together I think you got to say Kareem is the goat we could have lively discussion we could talk today about the greatest of all time in all sports we could talk about the greatest bands of all time we could talk about the greatest of whatever it may be of all time but I want to talk about the truly the greatest of all time, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. To really understand the goat, to really understand the greatest of all time, we have to look in the book of Leviticus chapter, six, chapter 16. Would you join me? Would you look very quickly today at Leviticus 16? Because in this passage, it begins to unpack why Jesus is so Great. Look with me, if you would, in verse 6 and 7, because the Bible tells us that sin separates us from God, and that's why we have to have a sacrifice. But if you go back to Leviticus 16, 6 and 7, we see that there's not one goat, there's actually two goats. And you're going to love this today, because I want to teach you about the two goats of Leviticus. Can I get a witness today? Can somebody say amen? Look at it. Aaron will be present, the bull, for his sin offering and make an atonement for himself and his household. Next, he will take two goats and place them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. If you're Jewish or if you have friends that are Jewish, you know that the day of Yom Kippur is the most sacred day in Judaism. It's the day of atonement. Leviticus 16 outlines for us the practice of the Hebrew people on the Day of Atonement. The high priest, once a year, would pull in the two goats. And one goat would be sacrificed 
and his blood would be sprinkled on the altar. The other would be the scapegoat. And the priest would lay his hands on the head of the scapegoat, confessing all of the sins of the nation of Israel. I can imagine that was a long list. And the scapegoat was taken out from the camp, never to return, thus the term scapegoat. Now, I was the older brother. I was three years older than my younger brother. And my little brother was often the, the scapegoat. Yes, he was, because he could not articulate his, he couldn't defend himself as well. He's three years younger, you know. I mean, that's awesome. That's like the perfect age to, difference, you know, to be able to put all of the blame. I don't know who did it. I mean, it was probably Sean, you know. Look at, look at him. He just looks guilty. And my little brother is kind of shy anyway. I mean, you put three years younger and kind of shy and reserved. It's an awesome thing. He was the scapegoat. Maybe you've been the scapegoat. Well, the term the scapegoat comes from the Bible. It comes from Leviticus 16 here, and it has to do with the atonement of sin. <clears throat> and the reason that the two goats had to be sacrificed, one on the altar and one as he was put out from the camp, is because sin separates us from God. We, we have a huge problem, a huge problem. The problem is that people are sinful and that God is righteous and perfect. And so the struggle of humanity is how can sinful people be connected with a righteous and a holy God? The book of Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no sin. Sometimes people ask, why did Jesus have to die on a cross? Because of sacrifice. Because we're put in right standing with God through the blood. That's why. And if you don't understand what happened in Leviticus, then when you get to the Gospels, it really doesn't make sense why Jesus was to die. Jesus was the greatest of all time. We'll get to that a little bit more in a minute. Leviticus, or excuse me, Romans 3.23, all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us, all means all. I mean, not just some of us, but, but like all of us have fallen short of this standard of perfection. Even the best of us, whoever that may be, we've all fallen short. And we need to be put in right standing with God. Now the question is, well, what is sin? And sin's been defined a number of different ways. Somebody once said that it's anything that displeases God. I think that's a great definition, sin. Um, somebody else has said uh, it means to miss the mark because in the language of the New Testament, um, that's what the word literally means, to sin. It means like, an, you know, the image is like an archer that's shooting at a target and, and the arrow misses, to miss the mark. When you sin, you, you miss the mark. I like another definition, though, maybe just a little bit more. It's a natural desire that's gone haywire. That's what sin is. A natural desire that's gone haywire. Now, God's given us natural desires. In fact, we have a natural desire to eat and to drink, don't we? But if we do so to excess, that's gluttony. It's a natural desire that has gone haywire. Uh, we, we have a, a desire 
and a need for intimacy. But if that need takes us outside of the parameters of God, it is a natural desire that, that, that has gone haywire. It's great to work hard. It's great to, to be disciplined and to be diligent and to make money. That's awesome. But a natural desire gone haywire, sometimes we can become prideful and self-centered and arrogant. That's, that's the result. That, that's, the, that's the mark of sin on our life. And we all struggle with different types of sins. Everybody is a little different with that, but we have all got it. We all get a failing grade. My uh, boy entered into middle school. We've been going through some changes at our house. Um, entered into the sixth grade this year. And he um, has a teacher, one teacher, that um, starts everybody off with a zero. So when you look at the grades online, you, you, have, you have an F. And so we were looking through the grades the other day, and it was like, you know, 92 and 88 and 93 and, you know, 85, zero. And then a little bit later, it, it said like, you know, 10 or 20. And we were like, what, what is going on? Like, Zane, what, are you not turning your stuff? What, what's going on? Well, come to find out, the teacher starts everybody with an F. And if during the nine-week period, there's 10 assignments, and each assignment is, is worth up to 10 points, and you've only had one assignment that's due, you might have gotten 100, 10 out of 10, but it's still 10 out of 100, and, and, and you, you're failing. It's kind of demoralizing a little bit, isn't it? To look at your grade, you're like, I have a 20, you know. Oh, mom, I'm up to a 30. Way to go, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to God, we all have a failing grade. And the failing grade is because we have all sinned. But here's the great news. Because God sent the goat the greatest of all time, we have the opportunity by faith to get a passing grade. And that's why we need Christ. Sin separates us from God, but check, what, check out what God has done. God also eliminates. Sin separates, God eliminates. <clears throat> How does he do it? Well, it's through the blood. Look back with me at Leviticus 16, 15. When, the slaughters, when he slaughters the male goat, for the people's sin offering and brings its blood inside the curtain, he will do the same with its blood as he did with the bull's blood. He is to sprinkle it against the mercy seat and in front of it. He will make an atonement for the most holy place in this way for all their sins because the Israelites' impurities and rebellious acts. He will do the same for the tent of meeting that remains among them because it's surrounded by their impurities. So the people's sins were forgiven by the blood of this goat. We, we see substitution that takes place here. The goat, the goat's blood took the place of the people's blood. Many years later, it's the blood of Christ that takes the place of of our death, it's his blood so that our blood would not have to be shed. The goat, the greatest of all time. Now, when we hear the word substitute, we think about somebody standing in for somebody else. If a teacher cannot make it to class, what do they do? They call a substitute, right? I used to love substitute teachers, right? 
awesome. Great time with the substitute teachers. Um, I had a friend a few years ago that used to um, work for a nursing staffing company. And if a hospital didn't have enough nurses, they would call the staffing company and they would say, please send us some nurses to this hospital and a substitute would be sent. Well, because we are incapable of paying for our own sin, there had to be a substitute. In the Old Testament times, it was a goat. But when Jesus came on the scene, he became the greatest of all time by becoming the one and only, the great sacrifice, so that we could enter into right standing with God. Look at these two goats here in verse 21 and 22. The first one is slayed on the altar, and then in verse 21, Aaron will lay both his hands, Aaron is the high priest, on the head of the live goat and confess over it all of Israelites' iniquities and rebellious acts and all their sins. He is to put them on the goat's head and send it away into the wilderness by the man appointed for the task. The goat will carry all the iniquities into the desolate land and the man will release it there. Jewish history tells us that there was a time that the scapegoat was released and it showed back up in the camp. Whoa. It was like the sins of Israel had returned. I mean, that's bad stuff. They grabbed the goat and took him and pushed him off a cliff. Symbolizing that God's forgiveness of sins could never come back. That's why the, the psalm says that when God forgives our sins, it's like as far as the east is from the west. Once God forgives sins, we don't want them back. The scapegoat has to leave. Don't let him return. Don't let him return. Hebrews 10 describes it this way. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, that's Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Now, why would Jesus sit down at the right hand of God? Because the finished work of atonement had been successfully completed. Unfortunately, a lot of people today are trying to make atonement for their own sins. Sometimes we live our life under the bondage of guilt and obligation and duty. And we think, well, if I could just work hard enough, if I could just do enough good deeds, if I could just, you know, be righteous enough, I could somehow put myself into right standing with God. You know, that's what makes the Christian gospel different from every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world is about people really redeeming themselves. Christianity is about God redeeming us through his son Jesus. The five pillars of Islam, redeem myself. The eightfold path of Buddhism, redeem myself. The teachings of Mormonism Jehovah's, uh, and Jehovah's Witnesses, um, redeem myself. Mormonism, if I'm married in the temple, if I'm a good Mormon, if I'm a missionary, I can subscribe to different levels of heaven. I redeem myself. 
And so a lot of folks look at this and they say, well, you know, it's the grace of God and it's the sacrifice of Jesus plus my good deeds. But if you add anything to the finished work of Jesus, you diminish what Christ has done. And that's why he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He sat down because it had been completed. For all of these years before Jesus came on the scene, the sacrifice, the day of atonement, the goats, the priests would minister by offering these blood sacrifices. But when Jesus was crucified, when Jesus was resurrected, it was finished. It was complete. And he sat down at the, at the right hand of God. That's why Romans 5, 8 says, but God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There was nothing that we deserved. There was nothing that we earned. It was something that God freely did for us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who, the one who did not know sin, to be sin for us, so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. In other words, he was the substitute. He was the one that took our place. He's the one that stood in our spot. A few years ago, I had a large balance on a credit card, and I was very worried about paying this debt. And I talked to a friend, and they said, Ryan, why don't you get one of those uh, 0% interest balance transfer cards? And I was like, really? They make those? And they were like, yeah. And I started to do some research, and you know, sure enough, it existed. As long as you make the monthly payments, you know, you can move a balance from this credit card to another credit card and pay 0% interest. I was like, this is amazing. I was so excited. When I think about the score in heaven, I think about the debt that we have, the debt that we cannot pay. When we put our faith in Christ, we are transferring the balance of what we owe away from ourselves and to someone else, and that's the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Let's transfer the weight Let's transfer the obligation. <laughs> Let's transfer the debt to the Savior, Christ Jesus. He's the one. And you know, if we went to heaven by all of our good deeds and we had somehow reformed and redeemed ourselves, when we got there, all we would do is brag about all the great things that we had done. Oh, I remember back in 2018, man. We believe that we're the Savior. But you know what? When we get to heaven one day, it's all about him. It's all about what Christ has done in us, through us, for us. And there is nothing else to compare to. That's why Jesus is the goat. He's the greatest of all time. Sin separates. God eliminates. Third, I want us to see this. We reciprocate. Atonement will be made for you on this day to cleanse you, and you will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. So we're put in right standing with God, but check this out, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of, ahead of time, for us to do. How do we reciprocate? How do we respond 
to the goat. It's with love, service, gratitude, and devotion. We serve God not out of burden or obligation. We serve God out of gratitude and thanksgiving. Amen? It's a big difference. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us that it's by grace we've been saved through faith and that not of ourselves. But then when he gets to verse 10, he says, we were created to do good works. Do good works matter? Absolutely. We just have to understand how good works fit into the context of the whole picture. We're grateful for what God has done. Completely grateful. We have to realize that we're not motivated by guilt or burden. We're, we're motivated by, by gratitude. No one is perfect. You know, one of, the, one of the sayings of our church, no perfect people allowed. We got it on the wall out there. Why do we say that? Why do we talk about that? Because all of us are broken. All of us have sin in our life. All of us need to be forgiven. But when you really understand the message of Jesus and you understand that he's the goat that put us in right standing with God, gratitude comes forth, doesn't it? Not, not religious burden. I hope you didn't come here today because your spouse made you show up. I hope you didn't come to church this morning because you would feel guilty if you weren't here and you didn't check the box. I hope you came today because you love the resurrected Savior has transformed your life. I hope you have come out of opportunity, not obligation. You've come because you love the Lord and you're grateful for what the Lord has done for your family and what the Lord has done for you. And, and, and worship is thanksgiving to God. We've been set free. We've been transformed. We've been made new. Therefore, serving God is just like, wow, well, of course I would do that. A few years ago, my granddad was lying in a bed dying of emphysema. He would be, I think he would be 100 years old if he was still, still alive today. My grandmother's 99. She's rocking, man. You know, she's like telling us, I'm going to live to be 100. You know, she's at the nursing home and all that. She's awesome. I love my grandma. My granddad, though, he smoked cigarettes for more than 60 years. He died of emphysema. And if you've ever been around people who've struggled with that, you know that is a horrible way to die. He laid in the bed for 18 months before he died. My grandmother was totally taking care of him. It was an awesome thing to see. And they... they you know, lived in their house, and they just couldn't get around as much. And so every time that I had an opportunity to go visit, I just wanted to help my grandmother and my granddad with whatever I could do. Mowing grass, cutting the, 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 um, the bushes, taking out the trash, changing light bulbs. I mean, whatever it was, I did whatever, whatever was needed. Whatever was needed. Because you know what? My grandfather had made such a profound impact on my life. As a kid growing up, it was my granddad that gave me my first BB gun, my first bicycle, my first car. My granddad actually gave me his best car when I turned 16. My granddad bought go-karts for me and him to ride. We would ride all over the countryside there 
Uh, we had a great time. I loved my granddaddy. It was an awesome, awesome influence on my life. When he was in need, I didn't look around and go, man, this is such a burden to drive all the way over here and to help out a little bit. I was like, what can I do? My life has been touched by him, so the least I can do is to serve and to love and to give and to help. I think that's a beautiful picture of the gospel. The gospel story is one that is the greatest motivator of all. If this ever gets truly in your spirit, you will love and serve God with a sense of gratitude and devotion that cannot be compromised. And if serving God seems like a burden or an obligation, maybe you've never really understood the whole perspective of the goat, the greatest of all time. God doesn't want us to be motivated by guilt. He wants us to be motivated by gratitude. And when we understand the gospel, that's, that's what it's all about. We're not keeping score. We're not comparing to others. We're not checking boxes. We're just grateful for what he's done. Grateful. Are you truly grateful? Have you been, have you been redeemed? Has, has the message of, of Jesus taken root into your heart? Uh, you're God's workmanship created for good works. This is his purpose for us. Now, why was Jesus the goat? No one was ever born like Jesus. Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Nobody can even touch that. He was divine. He was sacred. He was unique. The Bible tells us that he was fully God and he was fully man all at the same time. That's profound right there. It's so profound, I don't even know if we can fully understand it. <laughs> but nobody was born like Jesus. He had an unwedged teenage mother conceived by the Holy Spirit. Wow, can you imagine what the kids at school said about her? Nobody lived like he lived. A sinless life, a life of perfection. Nobody taught the way he taught. Jesus left the religious scholars of his day dumbfounded by his wisdom, confused by his intellect and by his reasoning. Nobody taught what he taught. Nobody could teach like he taught. Nobody was born the way he was born. Nobody died the way that the goat died. He died as a sacrifice. And nobody rose from the grave like Jesus. Go visit the tomb. In Israel, the tomb is empty. He's not there anymore. He overcame sin and death at the resurrection. Why is Jesus the greatest of all times? Because he did what no one else could do. And when he did so, it was God's message of hope and love to us. Jesus was the sacrificial goat. Jesus was the scapegoat. Jesus was even the high priest, if you go to the book of Hebrews. There is nobody like him. And because of that, it is our opportunity to live a life of total 
gratitude and devotion to the one who has given us so, so much. Let's bow together for a word of prayer for just a moment.